Renee, do you have a video? Do you have pictures? Okay, let's just keep going. Let's let's just close up. Hey, you made it, but you look tired. You tired? Yeah, that was a rough stretch of road, wasn't it? Yeah, I get that. But listen, you go ahead and rest, because you earned it. But don't quit. And before you get back on that road, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to let go of all that dead weight. Let go of those mistakes. You don't have to live in them no more. Let go of those people who keep holding you back. Let go of everything that's holding you down. The only thing you need to bring with you on this stretch of road is faith. That's it. I'll see you at the next rest stop. Don't quit. Yeah, so um, I'm not a real big fan of TikTok. Uh, I did download it so I could get that video and show it to you. Um, but yeah, let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you. Lord, you are a great God. Lord, you are incredible. Lord, you even shield us from how great you are. Lord, if we would see you face to face, you would just burst into flames, into dust. Lord, we need new bodies to be able to actually be in your presence fully like we will be one day, Lord. And I just want to thank you so much, Lord, that there's things that you want to say today, God. And Lord, I want to trust you, Holy Spirit, and I want to thank you that it's not by these words, it's not by uh, power, might, it's just by you, by your Holy Spirit, Lord, and that you involve us in the things that uh, pertain to eternity, to people's eternal destination, Lord. I just want to thank you. What a great privilege, Lord. In Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Yeah, so uh, just a show of hands. Um, who's ever seen God do something like awesome in your life or the lives of someone around you? You can pop your hand up high. Let's give God the glory if he's done that. Okay, and then uh, just keep your hands there. I want you to look around at the people around you because you guys, we're all in this together. We've all seen God do incredible things, right? Now I'm going to ask you a tougher question. Okay, so this is essential for this message today. You know that God can do amazing things. You know God wants to. He wants to do amazing things. I'm going to ask you a question. Who here is expecting that God will do amazing things in your life today, in this message, that God will do amazing things? Okay, uh, you're not saying this to me, you're saying this to the Lord, hey? Okay, so you're expecting God to do amazing things. So that takes the pressure off me, thank goodness. Okay, so I wanted to uh, share something with you because the Lord is so awesome and yeah, He just, He's so good. So um, yesterday, one of my customers, I think I might have spammed a whole bunch of you guys with this message, um, but yesterday one of my customers, she lives in... KZN. I sell typewriters. If you want to know how that works, speak to me afterwards. Just God's grace. Um, yeah, so she she wanted to buy a typewriter online and she had this little slogan on her WhatsApp. It says, I'm realistic. I expect miracles. 
And I was just like, whoa, what? Wait, what? Like, I'm, I'm realistic. I expect miracles. And then like a little plant there. So I was like, whoa, I really like that. That's amazing. That's so cool. And then this is the, S- the WhatsApp she sends me. And I asked if I can share this with you guys. Uh, so yeah, Popeye and all that. So she says here, thank you. Yeah, God has done amazing things in my life. And with the miracles, I have learned deeper lessons than I ever would if it weren't for the trials. I beat cancer twice and recently survived an obstruction that the doctors couldn't pick up for nine days. On this journey, God gave me the gift of writing, short stories or posts as well as poems. And I felt like it's time to put it out there for others to bring hope and some beauty. And this, of course, is for His glory. And I was just like, oh man, Today I'm sharing a message on the Sabbath, but also on faith. And the law is just like, here, just take this. This is how I work. So, um, yeah, I want to share a message on the Sabbath. It's called uh, Coming into the Rest of God. And just before we start, I'm sure you've heard like having a Sabbath rest, you know, that thing of like, okay, I'm going to put one day of the week aside. I'm going to take holidays like we I think we all kind of in the same camp that that's important it's important to like have physical rest okay it's important to um, you know take a holiday breathe relax unwind but there's something that I don't want you to miss and I, I strongly believe that God doesn't want you to miss about the Sabbath it's something that's really powerful and that could potentially change your life um, depending on how you receive it Okay, so let's quickly look at the Sabbath. In the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth, and He does it in six days, right? And it's, it's actually amazing. It's like God knew that we're going to try and fiddle with what He does and how, he's, how He does things. Because He says there, the evening and the morning was the first day. It's like, it feels almost like so unnecessary. You know, you don't speak to your friend like, yeah, yesterday I went to the shops and the evening and the morning was one day. Like, no, you don't do that. But God does, does this. He's like, this is how I made the world. The evening and the morning, that was one day. The second day, evening, morning, that was one day. And it becomes super repetitive, like all six days until you get to Genesis 2 verse 1 to 3. It says there, I'm, I'm not going to read it, but it says that the Sabbath day and the seventh day came and God rested from all his work. And it doesn't say the evening and the morning was one day. And I just want to pause there because that's quite weird. That's quite strange. Okay, so we're going to see some more strange things happening here. There's no more word about the Sabbath at all. We go until like Abraham, no word about Sabbath, Isaac, Jacob, nothing. Okay, until we get to the Israelites in the desert. And then God is like giving them his commands, like don't murder people and don't steal, don't blaspheme, and keep the Sabbath day holy. And that's in Exodus 20. And he says, it says something beautiful. It's like, keep the Sabbath day holy because God worked for six days and he rested on the seventh. And it's like, it's almost like God is allowing us into his rest. Like something that he actually does, something that he experiences. It's like there's such a beautiful picture of like communion and fellowship 
just even there. I read it like the other day. For like it felt like the first time. I was like, wow, this is so precious. Like God is so good. Then we go into Leviticus 25.10. I was reading that like just in a Bible reading plan two days ago. And I'm like, God is so good. We see a bigger picture of the Sabbath, not just a day. So then he's like, every seventh year, I want you to not uh, like harvest from the trees. I want you to just let stuff grow. Okay. And then he's like, every seven times seventh year, every 50th year, there's something special. It's called the year of Jubilee, like this massive Sabbath year. And the way he describes it in Leviticus 25, verse 10, it says, Set this year apart as holy, a time to proclaim freedom throughout the land for all who live there. It will be a jubilee year for you, when each of you may return to the land that belonged to you, uh, to your ancestors, and return to your own clan. So we get all these like pictures of like, this Sabbath and rest is super important for God and even like a Sabbath year, like huge. And then I want to share something here with you. I don't know if you know this, but when Jesus comes to the picture, his ministry starts on a Sabbath day. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath after coming out of the wilderness and all of that. And Luke 4, 16 and he gets up in front of the people. It would be like a, mess, like a time like this. He gets up in front of everyone. And he reads from the scroll, Isaiah 61. Okay, and he re- You guys would know this. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And listen to this. He says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor or the acceptable year of the Lord, the Jubilee. Like there's something strange here. There's something's not just your normal kind of Sabbath here. So Jesus comes and he's like, this is why I'm here. This is part of my ministry to tell you guys, we are getting into a Jubilee here year. All the slaves will be set free. Everyone that is in bondage will be set free. And now, this is the kicker, because the Bible is incredible. The Bible isn't just a history book. Like, I don't want you to ever think that if you're reading the Bible, like, this is what God used to do in the past with these people that are dead and forgotten. The Bible tells us what God wants to do. What he wants to do, and not just in the future, but in our own lives, in your life. What God is able to do and what he will do. Here, Colossians 2, 16 to 17, it says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So that's like me standing here, and you can see, I don't know if you can see my shadow here, and it's like me saying, God, the Sabbath rest, that's amazing. Thank you, Lord. We get to rest once a week and all this stuff. And, and God is like, no, like that's not, that's not everything that I have for you. There's more. There's much more. There's like 
a person, this substance, and the fullness of the Sabbath is in Jesus. Like, don't forget that. And now I'm going to read something. It's, the Bible is wonderful. It's so, so wonderful. Hebrews 3, verse 7 to 19. So just buckle your seatbelts. This is going to get a bit hairy. But we, we're going through this together, so don't worry. Okay, so Hebrews 3, verse 7 to 19. I've quoted everything in the New Living Translation because this is, gets a bit intense. And this message, we could stretch it out for very long if it doesn't, it's not in the New Living Translation. So um, I'm just going to read it for you guys. It says this, that is why the Holy Spirit says, now I just want you to think, this isn't people there back far begotten, like the history book. This is right now, this is a message for you as you're sitting here with the people that are next to you. That is why the Holy Spirit says today, when you hear His voice, God's voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. When they tested me in the wilderness, their ancestors tested, tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. So I was angry with them and I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. This is for you, my brother and sister. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day. So after this, I'm expecting you guys to WhatsApp each other. Be like, hey, is your heart evil and unbelieving today? You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. So we see that because of their unbelief, listen carefully, because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. Okay? So sin is a brother to unbelief. They go hand in hand. Before I sin, I stop trusting in God and I choose to trust in myself and the devil. We're going to look at what is the power of unbelief because the Lord speaks very clearly about unbelief as well. There's literally a definition. I'm going to give you the biblical definition of unbelief. Matthew 13 verse 54 to 58, it says, Jesus returned to Nazareth, his hometown, when he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed and said, where does he get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just the carpenter's son, and we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. All his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? Now listen. This is the definition of unbelief. And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. And so he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. So um, Ian was sharing an incredible message last week. And I want to encourage you guys 
to go onto Josh Chen website. If you haven't listened to it, listen to it. It's called, is it Abiding in the Vine? Or Abiding in the Vine? Abiding in Jesus. So, so profound. When I heard that message, I was like, oh my word, this is something you could listen to literally every day, oh, every week. And not it's not just words, but it demands a response. It's words that demand a response. And I, I have seen with my own eyes what the Lord has been doing just in this week amongst you guys. That there's some of you that are really being stirred up for the kingdom. And God is busy. He's at work. And it's because of your response. When you hear a message like that, you can say, I'm either going to, I'm either going to just say, no, I believe whatever I believe, or you're going to say, or you can say, no, I'm not, I'm going to choose to put that aside. God, whatever you have for me, that's what I want. Lord, I just want you, Jesus. I just want to see you and I want what you, what you have. I want you to listen to this about unbelief. Mark 9, 21 to 24, it says, how long has this been happening? So Jesus is there and there's like this boy and he's being thrown around by a demon. And he's like, yeah, the, the other disciples can't cast this demon out. So Jesus comes there. Just before this, he says, oh, you, faith, you faithless and perverse generation. How long must I be amongst you guys? You know, like, are you not getting it yet? So he says, how long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. The boy's father replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into fire or into water, trying to kill him. And then... The man says, have mercy on us and help us if you can. And you think, oh, what's wrong with that? Jesus says this, what do you mean if I can? Jesus asked, Jesus um, asked, anything is possible if a, if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. So we've got this picture here. Jesus is saying, listen, it's not about me. I can do this. I can do this. It's about you. Do you believe that I can do this? So Jesus takes the ball and he puts it back into the guy's court. And he's like, this is not about me. It's about you. And the man instantly gets it. And he's like, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You can have faith in God. At, at the same time, you can have unbelief. So you can believe that God can do something and wants to do something, but that he won't. That he won't do it. And you can say like this man, Lord, I believe. God, I trust in you. Help my unbelief. Lord, help me to overcome those things, those things that I'm like resisting you, where I'm saying things about you that's not true. I'm thinking things about you that are not true, that you can't provide for me, that you can't um, get me through the day that you can't be my rest. Ornella shared that, uh, something about David and Goliath. These guys in the desert, when God was talking about these guys and their unbelief, what happened was they were literally about to go into the promised land. And there was this, and they had seen God do miracles. God had parted the Red Sea and he led them through. And they're about to go into the promised land, but they get a bunch of people that come back and tell them, guys, there's giants there. There's these huge giants. Like, where are we going to go? You want, you want us to go into this beautiful land flowing with milk and honey, but there's these giants that are going to annihilate us. They're going to flatten us. 
at that moment, they forgot. They thought it's all about them, their own strength, their own ability. It even happened with David. When David was going to come against this giant, and everyone is, his brothers are like, why are you here? What are you, do, what are you doing here? And he's bringing them milk and cheese, and he sees this guy, this giant, and the whole Israelite army is like standing there, like shaking. And David goes, and he's like, who's this uncircumcised Philistine? And, and he goes, and he's like, I'm going to take this guy out. I'm going to take him on because God, because of who God is. And the king comes to him, and he's like, who's this young boy? Who's this little boy? What does he think he's doing? And he's like, okay, well, he's got something's going on there. Let me give him my armor. Let me give him my sword. You know, give him the things that I think like the, the best armor, the best sword possible in the kingdom. And, and David tries it on and he's like, but this stuff doesn't fit. It's not meant for me. I'm not used to this. And God, he's been with me with the lion. I killed the lion. God was there with me. I killed a bear. God was with me. And now there's this giant and it's not about me. It's about God. I don't, it's not about all the armor. It's not about the, the sword. It's not about like your strategies, your methods, and how you're going to overcome this thing in your life or deal with certain things or get another job so you can pay the rent or anything like that. It's not about that. It's not about that. It's about Jesus. That's it. Simple. One step. Just faith. Like that guy was saying. Just faith. That's all you need. Jesus says, here, Anything is possible if a person believes. And that faith isn't like a magical force like Harry Potter. It's like faith in God. It's about who he is. And there was something I was thinking this week. I was like, you know, sometimes we can put so much pressure on ourselves. We're like, God, oh, I really want to obey you. I want to like, you say things to me. You say I must go and speak to that person. But I'm like, oh man, I'm so scared. Like, God, I want to obey you. And like, that's cool. That's beautiful. But this is the thing. Before obedience comes faith. When God speaks to you, do you trust him? It's so much easier to obey someone that you know and that you trust, that you've got this like loving relationship with. So that when he speaks to you, the first thing you should say is not God, yes, I'm going to do it. It's God, I trust you. Lord, whatever you want to do. God, even if it doesn't make sense to me. Even if I have no idea how I'm going to do it, Lord, you say it, so I'm going to trust you. We're in this together. Lord, you have, a, you have a faultless track record. You are always faithful. God has never not been faithful in your life. And I can know that. I'm not like a fortune teller. I know that because that's what the Bible says, that God is always faithful. That's his character. It's his nature. So, okay, so that was the hectic part. So here we're going to Hebrews 4, 1, 11. This is, the, this is, this is much uh, lighter. And I, I strongly believe that God wants to instill into you like a new kind of faith, a powerful faith, a faith in Him, not in yourself, not in what you can do, not in your circumstances, not in what people say, not in whatever, just in the Lord, just faith in Him. God's promise of entering His rest still stands. This is Hebrews 4 verse 1. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to the people in the desert, to those people. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith 
of those who listened to God. That was Joshua and Caleb. So this is why I asked you before we started this message, do you believe that God will do something today incredible in your life? Because if you say no, this message means nothing to you. It's actually a warning to you. But if you say, yes, God can do this and he wants to and he will do this, then you and I, we together, we together and you are together with the Lord and you together with each other. And then we're going to go into God's rest together. We're going to go into the promised land together. Here he says, this is a key verse. Hebrews 4 verse 3, for only those who believe can enter his rest. Only those who believe. There is a, a type of rest in God where regardless of whether you get the off day during the week or get vacation time, if Jesus himself is your rest, then you can be super busy at work. Your boss is not going to stop you from praying. No, he can't do that because you can pray in your heart. You can go to the toilet. You can kneel down. God is right there. He's always with you. He can't stop you. Your kids can't stop you from praying. They can't. It's actually your kids will drive you to prayer. <laughs> so your spouse can't stop you. The fact that the landlord is asking for rent money and you're like, oh man, I've got all these bills and all this stuff going on. Like that is not going to stop you from crying out to the Lord and saying, God, like I want you in this situation with me. I want to do this together with you. And here God says, in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest, even though this rest has been ready. Listen, this is so amazing. This rest has been ready since he made the world. Remember we say the Sabbath rest didn't have a, a morning and an evening? That rest is there. And that rest is holy. It's not your normal rest. It's not a once a week I'm going to chill out Netflix. It's like you can enter into a rest that God himself experiences. We know it is ready because of the place in scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. But in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. They had unbelief. They're like, no, there isn't rest. No, I don't believe that. I, I believe that I need a vacation. I believe that this is essential. If I don't, I'm going to burn out. And yes, partially that's true, but there is another kind of rest where you're like, God, I'm trusting in you, Lord, even if I don't get a good night's sleep. I was joking with Ian this week. So I'm sharing on the Sabbath rest. I was slept so terribly this week. And I don't want to come here and then have these like bags under my eyes and be like, guys, I want to talk to you about the rest of God, you know? <laughs> but this is a reality. And the amazing thing is like, when I couldn't sleep, I'm like, okay, I, I can't sleep. My brain is just buzzing because this is like such a, this is so amazing that I'm like, I'm busy doing this prep and I'm just like worshiping God. Like, God, this is amazing. Like, this is incredible. My brain is buzzing. I can't sleep. So I'm like, I'm just going to go and pray. God, I'm going to go and pray and spend time with you, Lord. And then I go to sleep and then I wake up the next morning. I'm like, I actually don't feel that bad. Like, this is weird, Lord. This is like breaking the standards that I have in my, my brain, you know.
so verse 7, so God sets another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. God announced this through David much later, Psalm 95, you can read it at home. David, uh, he, quoted, he quotes these words in Hebrews. Today, when you hear God's voice, don't harden your hearts. So there's a special rest, and that word special rest is actually Sabbath rest. It is Sabbath rest if you translate it from the, um, from the Greek. There's a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, their toil, stress, anxiety, just as God did after creating the world. So now here the thing is like, okay, are you saying to me, Jethro, that I don't have to work anymore? I can just go and like lie on Millington Beach and God is going to just take care of everything. And like, I wish, yes, I would be, man, if I was saying that, like I would be the first one out there with you. So, but God is saying something actually even more profound than that. Can you believe it? That God, when he rested from his work, Jesus says that the father still is busy working. He still is working every day. He's working amongst you. He's working in your life. But there's no stress when God works. There's nothing. He doesn't stress about anything. He's not sitting on his throne like, oh, no, these people. No, he's not doing that. He's calm. He's ruling you guys and reigning in your hearts in a calm way, a stress-free way, worry-free. And God says that you can do the same. You can rest from your labors, which means, firstly, that you're not trying to get to heaven based on the good things that you've done. Based on what you do, your performance, have I shared the gospel with enough people? Have I knocked and harassed my neighbor with Jesus? Like, no, you don't, it's not, a, it's not about that. And you can enter this rest where it's like you, you can be at work, but not stressing out. And I mean, like, this sounds like a miracle, I know. Like, I know what it feels like when you go into a, a hectic office job. Like, I used to work in advertising. I saw, like, my boss used, used to get, like, ulcers in his mouth um, at the end of the month because we have, like, deadlines that we have to reach. And it's re he's responsible for them. And if we don't reach them, then his neck is on the line. And then it would just be like, you come in, and it's just, you can literally feel the anxiety. It's, like, thick in the air. It's tangible. And you can go home after that and be like, in your relationships with your spouse, with your kids, like freaking out, stressing out because you've taken that anxiety from work and you brought it back home. But God says there's another way. You don't even have to take on that anxiety. That's not your anxiety. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to Him. There's, when Jesus was on the cross, the last words that He said on the cross was tetelestai. It is finished. It's done. It's done. It's done. It's finished. The work is done. Now, I'm going to give you a practical example of God's rest, okay? Uh, Matthew 6, 24, verse 33. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I know there might be a wrestling inside your mind right now. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I need money to pay the rent. I need money to buy groceries and stuff. And God is saying, don't serve money. Serve God. Stop thinking about how I'm going to get the next promotion, how I'm going to make a better salary so I can provide for my family. Forget about it. Serve God. 
Verse 25, that is why I tell you not to worry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, verse 25, that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. You all know this verse. We know this. It's like Christianity 101, the Gospels. We know this. So it says, don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. They don't stress about their bosses as well. For your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? It's useless. It's literally the language of the devil is worry and stress in your life. It's not from God at all, at all. And it, there, is a, there is a place in Christianity where you don't have to stress. God gives us a recipe of what to do when you stress. It talks about, it carries on. Okay, so then I want to just scroll down here. Verse 31, it says, don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. That unbelief, if you don't believe in God, if you believe it's all about you and your ability, these things will dominate your thoughts. You'll be a stress factory because you'll think it's all about me. What can I do? It's not about you. It's about what has God already done? What has he done? You're a believer. You're not an unbeliever. You don't have to live this way. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Faith. Faith is how we enter into the rest. Seek God's kingdom. And sometimes it feels so crazy because you're like, are you telling me that I mustn't think, I mustn't stress about where my next client's going to come from? I mustn't stress about, you know, this ma like a marriage problem that I have. I mustn't stress about that. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying to you. Don't. Forget about it. Stop. Like, let the Lord deal with those things. That's his department. It's not yours. So Philippians 4, 6 to 8, another one. It's like, be anxious of nothing. So now we're going to like, before it was like your physical needs, now your mental. Be anxious of nothing. Literally, this is a command from God. You are not supposed to be anxious. Be anxious of nothing, but instead of being anxious, by prayer, by speaking to God. Like Ian was saying last week, getting plugged into Jesus entering into the rest that God has. Speak to him. God, help. I've got all these things, all this stuff in my head. Lord, help me. Jesus. Like, God, I want to thank you that you are in control. I don't have to be in control. It's not about me. You are in control. You know what you're doing. The whole world is spinning because you just think it. And then, Matthew 11, 28, verse 28 to 30. Jesus says, come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden. I was thinking about this this morning. You know, we can invite Jesus, but the reality is Jesus is inviting you. He's inviting you to a different way of living. He's saying that there's a promised land, there's a rest that's waiting for you. And it's by faith, it's by you coming to him. And he's inviting you, saying, come, please, come to me. It's not about what you can do. Come to me, I'll do it, it's okay. 
come to me, all you who are weary and, and carry heavy burdens. Like, yes, that's me. That's every one of us. Like, yes, you're speaking to me, Lord. All that are weary and heavy burdens, if that's the requirement, then I, I'm there. I've got the ticket of entry. And I will give you rest. Jesus says, he himself, that you won't need to struggle and strive for rest. He will give it to you. He'll just give it to you like this, open hand. He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle of heart. You'll find rest for your souls. Then he says, my yoke is, is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Now, this is the thing. I know what it feels like in an office, your families, relationships. You can be yoked to stress, anxiety, unbelief. You can be yoked to the things of this world. You go to work and your boss, you can feel his eyes like staring at you through his wall, through his office. It's like he's got a camera right behind you and he's watching everything. Like, have you hit those deadlines? Have you done this? You can feel it. You don't need to. Jesus is like, listen, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy, my burden. Take off the yoke of your boss. Put my yoke upon you. Take off the yoke of your like wife that you're driving up the walls. Take that off. Put my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You don't know how your kids are going to eat like next week. That's another yoke. Take it off. It's not meant for you. It's meant for Jesus. Your yoke is the yoke of Jesus, the rest, the Lord of the Sabbath. That's what's meant for you. That you would say, God, like, I need you. I need your rest. Lord, I don't have it. In every single area of your life. So don't miss the Sabbath. When you think about the Sabbath, when a Seventh-day Adventist comes to you and he's like, you've got to keep the Sabbath to get into heaven. Yes, I do. Jesus is my Sabbath. He's my Sabbath rest. I remember the one time when Ella and I were like, I'm just going to close with this. Like we were, we were in ministry and stuff and we would have long days. We used to work at God's Army and it was like you'd work at ministry in the morning at a coffee shop and then afterwards you'd have like Bible studies or prayer meetings and stuff. So you get home and you just like toast and it would be like every day. And I remember the one time like just finished. I was like a vegetable just lying on my bed. Like I could, I could sleep for two days and it wouldn't be enough. And I remember asking Manila, can you please just pray for me? Like, I just feel like this is not a normal tiredness. This weariness is not normal. So she prays for me, and I just felt like so light after that. I'm not saying that my body was like, hey, Energizer Bunny rearing to go. I still needed to sleep, but there's something more. You can go on a holiday and come back tired. And you're like, oh, man, that I need like three more of those, you know. So what you actually need is rest in the Lord. That's what you need. And I want to super encourage you, like, listen to Ian's sermon. Like that, and, and also, just be like someone that says, God, I'm going to be a person of faith. I'm going to say, I'm going to step into what you have. If you say to me, wake up in the middle of the night, I'm not going to think, oh, man, I've got to do this. I'm not going to be able to sleep tomorrow. Oh, this, oh, this. That's all unbelief. All of that. It's unbelief. It's worry. It's anxiety. It doesn't come from the Lord. It's not a holy thing. You saying, yes, Lord, I trust you. You're my rest. I know that you can do this, God. You've got to... Like a, like a super track record. You've never failed me. Do whatever you want, Lord. If the Lord calls you to have two-hour devotion or five-minute devotion, if you're spending time with Him, you're plugged into Him, there's something more. There's something amazing here. You can literally enter a promised land. Yeah. Yeah, let me just pray for you guys. Father, I just want to thank you, Lord, that's, this is not just a message that we can like listen to and then Monday it comes and it's just life goes back to the way it was. 
I know, Lord, that you want each and every single person here to walk in step and in faith with you, Lord Jesus, to walk in step with your Holy Spirit, to have a rest relationship with you, to have peace. And I just want to pray, Lord God, I trust that you're going to do this, that you've already started this, you've planted seeds in each of our hearts, Lord, and that you are the one that will water them, Lord God, and that we will see amazing things happen because of who you are, Lord, and that we can trust you. And I just want to ask now, like, um, yeah, Ian's going to um, lead us in ministry time, but just think, if there's any unbelief, if there's anything where it's like there's a lie from the enemy about who God is, ask the Lord to just get, the, get rid of that. Ask him to challenge that and just forgive you and cleanse you of that.